0: Colorado head coach Deion Sanders may have had a response for the criticism of pit coach Pat Narduzzi, or maybe he's just preaching. I'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked On Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what I think is Coach Prime's response to the criticism he's been facing um, from Pitt Coach Pat Narduzzi. We're also going to be talking about ESPN's involvement in the Pac 12 deal and what that means for Colorado to the Big 12. Um, I think that's starting to heat up again, so I'll discuss that. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to be talking about where Colorado Colorado ranks. Um, in terms of the Pac 12 after spring, according to On Three, which you guys probably will not agree with, but we got to discuss it anyway before we start diving into all these previews and stuff as the season gets closer. Okay. Before we start, though, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. And when you enter promo code locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style Tumblr with every order. Go check it out. Go get your Bird Dogs. Okay. So if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, yesterday or couple days ago, I yesterday I wrote about it last week at the end of last week, pit coach Pat Narduzzi was interviewed about um by 24-7 Sports. He was interviewed and asked about what he thought of Coach Prime's transfer portal methods. Um essentially what does he think about it, all that and he said, and this is a direct quote from my article what he said, um, that's not the way it's meant to be. Um that's not the way the rule intended. It was not to overhaul your roster. We'll see how it works out. But to me, looks bad on college football coaches across the country. The reflection is on one guy right now. But when you look at it overall, those kids have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and goals in life. I don't know how many of those 70 that really that left really wanted to leave or they were kicked in the butt to get out. And then he continued saying, I grew up in a profession that you can't tell a guy that he has to leave based on athletic ability. I think he'll be shocked that he probably had some pretty good football players in that room. When I got to pit back in 2015, I didn't kick off anybody zero. Those are your guys. When you come, when you become a head coach, you inherit that team and you coach that team. If someone wants to leave, that's great. You don't kick them out. I disagree with that whole process. That's not why I got in the game. Um, I understand the points he's making. Um, he definitely seems like a old school style head coach. He's also been someone who's kind of been a scorned lover by the transfer portal, if you will, because Obviously, last year, USC took Jordan Addison from him, his Blit and Cough winner. Um, so I don't think he has the best relationship with the transfer portal. Um, he got Keaton Slovis, who didn't really pan out for him as well. So don't know if he's really had the best experience with the transfer portal. Um, I do think it's interesting that he kind of cites his experience back in 2015 um, as, oh, he should just be doing that. Um, let me give you some insight into Pitt football 2015. Uh, when Pat Narduzzi first took over, Pitt had... He took over, like I said, in 2015, they had made a bowl game from 2008 and then through 2016. So he inherited um, a team that was already making bowl games a program that was kind of already succeeding um, and finding success in the bowl game aspect of college football. Now, obviously, they haven't really gone further than that, but he took over right after they made it to a bowl game. They went six and seven. They lost the bowl game seven and six. Um, six and seven, six and seven, eight and five, ten and three. So he inherited a team that was consistently making bowl games and then ha- has the audacity to kind of compare that to Colorado's one and eleven roster. Like that's the same thing. We'll pretend that's the same thing. But either way, um, Coach Prime, who doesn't really respond to critics. Well, I mean, if he if he had to respond to critics, I feel like he'd be there all day. I think a lot of people are starting to come out of the woodwork to throw some shots at him. Um, it gets them clicks. It gets kind of some attention to whatever site they're representing. Um, but let me get some better lighting on myself there. There we go here. So here's coach prime's response on Twitter. He tweeted this at 6:07 AM today. Um, so I get, well, six or seven, my time, that's probably 7. AM his time. Um, he says, why are you, so, why are you so concerned about what folks say about you? Are you afraid that the things they say are all lies or a lot of truth? You do know your critics has critics. So how could you possibly allow them to define you? Be who God called you to be and don't concern yourself with people's perception and misconception of you. I feel like that is a kind of a response to Narduzzi implying that coach prime was just kicking everybody off and is bad for college football. Um, I just feel like, Pat Narduzzi's stance on the transfer portal is, especially since he's someone who's kind of avidly gone against the portal multiple times and talked about how it's not the way it is right now isn't good for college football, it's hard to take him seriously when he's criticizing Coach Prime. It's also hard to take other coaches seriously because Pat Narduzzi couldn't do this if he wanted to. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think – well, I'm sure he could kick off 50 players. I'm sure he could get a bunch of guys to leave. I don't think he could upgrade at – I would say Colorado's upgraded at least – at a minimum, 80% of their positions. Um, I would say the only positions that they really haven't um, upgraded that much, maybe offensive line is a mystery to me. I think they have potential upgrades, but I don't know. Um, But even then, if they upgrade on 80% of the positions, that's way better than last year's roster. I don't think Pat Narduzzi could put together a crazy transfer portal class. Um, let Let me look at his transfer portal class right now. Um, and we'll kind of base it off that. Obviously, he's not rebuilding his program, but I just don't think he has that ability to to recruit transfers that well. So, Color or Color Pitt has signed six transfers, they currently hold the number 56 transfer class in the country. Um, they their top transfer is an offensive lineman from Cal, um, Malcolm Epps, a tight end from USC in Texas, who he's he's fine, um, a running back from LSU. They did get Phil Jakovic, which is a quarterback who I'm pretty high on, and then Christian Valu, a Penn State quarterback, and then a safety out of Florida. So they got the guys that they got were decent. I'm not gonna like bring down their class, but I don't think I also kind of think some of this criticism for, about Coach Prime's transfer portal usage is I do not say jealousy because obviously no college coach should be jealous of another college coach unless you're unless everyone's saying they're jealous of Nick Saban. I could agree with that, but. You shouldn't really feel jealous of, about how another coach runs program, but I think he knows that he wouldn't be able to do the same. So maybe, maybe it bothers him a little bit. Either way, coach prime is clearly unbothered. Um, he's not going to let the criticism of one coach, a media member, or anybody bother him. He's going to run his program the, the way he thinks is correct. And so we'll just have to wait and see to see whose method works the best. Okay. Before we move on this episode, like I said earlier, is brought to you by our sponsor bird dogs. Um, if you're not familiar with Bird Dogs, let me let me help you get a little grasp as to who they are. Um they are a sh- company that provides clothing. Um their shorts though are what I'm talking about. They are the comfiest shorts, probably the comfiest shorts I own. Um their comfort is they they have like a stretchy fabric, so they're they're loose on the waistband, but they're tight wherever like they support you. Um versatility. Um uh, oh, like when I when I talk about the fit, guys, for my for my fellows out there they're loose where you need them to be tight where you need them to be supportive where you need them to be um you could wear them golfing you could wear them swimming you could wear them to play slow pitch softball i did that last thursday i was playing some slow pitch softball thursday nights um that's what i do my we won 11 to 1 not that you care but i was rocking my bird dog shorts out there getting compliments they were super light super comfortable i think i gained some speed on the baits pass i won't lie to you so if you are interested in getting some bird dogs for yourself Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter a promo code locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs, bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. So again, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter the promo code locked on college, all one word, all caps. And they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order that you place. Okay. Now that we've heard from our sponsors from bird dog, let's talk about the pack 12 and well, ESPN's standing with the Pac-12. Um, as we know, since last July, the Pac-12 has been trying to recuperate, recover, or just flat-out respond to USC and UCLA leaving the conference. Um, they've been in talks to do to have a new media rights deal, which theirs expires next year. Um, the Big 12 jumped them in line, and they expanded, so the Big 12 is kind of ahead of the game. So, just the other day, Washington State's president, Kirk Schultz, uh, announced a spending freeze for Washington State. There's going to be a hiring freeze, and they talked about all the financial issues that they are going to be having. Shout out Larry Scott, the former Pac-12 commissioner. And then, unfortunately for the Pac-12, sorry, I was just paused for dramatic silence. ESPN has backed out of the tier one level um, partnership spot with the, the big 12 or with the Pac-12, excuse me, meaning that the Pac-12 is kind of going to have to look elsewhere for someone to be the main source of televising their games. So this has of course stirred up the big 12 rumors of poaching Colorado, Arizona, Utah, the four corner schools, as we all know. Um, But so let me let me break this down for you. Big Twelve officials were told by ESPN that the Big Twelve will be aired on the Tier One level, which means they'll be with the SEC and the ACC. Um, so that means that the Big Twelve is obviously in a better situation, TV wise, and with the recent news that the Pac Twelve is kind of not not killing the game, if you will, in terms of their pack right their their pack rights, their media rights deal. It means that this Colorado to the Big Twelve stuff is going to start. Picking up steam again, and I can see why. I think the Pac-12 really, and John Conzano, when he came on the show a while back, he talked about this. He said that the Pac-12 has not been good at PR this entire time. They've been playing defense instead of playing offense, and so they're always constantly having to make uh, reparations for the things that they have said or haven't said. Um, I think the Washington state president announcing that they're hiring freeze and all the money that they're going to be losing is a prime example that these PAC 12 programs are scared. Um, and they should be, I don't think unless George Klee, or Clive I forgot how to say his name. I don't like, I don't like to try to pronounce names if I know I'm not going to confidently say it correctly. So president George, (laughs) as long as he is there and is unable to, I don't know, provide a, timeline, legit timeline, because the Pac-12 has had like six timelines throughout the year and they haven't met any of them, obviously. So as long as they're, if they're not able to provide a timeline, then the Pac-12's future is in jeopardy. And so Colorado is a former big 12 member. Um Obviously having coach prime makes any program more attractive. Um That would make, excuse me, that would make the big 12 more attractive having coach prime. And honestly, here's the thing. If the Pac-12 could get a deal similar or greater than, The Big 12, no program is going to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12. It's just not worth it. Um, But if the Pac-12 is going to underperform, under deliver deliver a deal, Colorado has a legitimate chance to be the face of the Big 12. Um, With Coach Prime, obviously that helps. But the Big 12 does not have a single marquee brand in its conference right now. It's just a a conference of, I would say, second-tier brands. I think the biggest brand they have is probably TCU. And even then... TCU's only they're only the marquee brand because of their playoff success this past season, which I mean, not to knock, but one year doesn't make you a marquee team. Other than that, none of the teams they added are marquee teams, um, marquee brands. They're well-known brands like BYU is a very well-known brand, obviously with their their affiliation with the church, um, but they're they're not a marquee brand. Um, Cincinnati, they're about to have a huge decline and um, they lost Luke Fickle. Um, so everything that they were is not going to be anymore. Um, UCF decent brand, um, but not going to swing the scales anywhere. I think realistically, the only brand in college in the Big Twelve is Oklahoma State, and even then, they're kind of on the downslope right now. So Colorado could easily come in if they were good right away, be the face of the Big Twelve. Um, I think that's a tempting thing for them. Uh, obviously, we'll continue. We'll have to wait and see what happens because. Colorado has to go through the Board of Regents, and they have to do they have, to have public meetings. So we'll kind of have a sense of what they're doing because they have to do it publicly. Unlike USC and UCLA, who are able to just blindside everybody, uh, well, especially USC because they're a private school. Um, UCLA did get in trouble with the UC Regents, but they are kind of washed their hands and they're good to go. Um, so Colorado to the Big 12, picking up steam again. I'll keep you guys updated on that because – I think this is something that not everybody's interested in, but you should be because if the Pac-12 dissolves, then Colorado's going to have all new rivals, all new scheduling, and um you guys will have all new places to travel to, I guess, if you follow the, the buffs on the road. So I will keep you updated. Again, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Buffs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. So make sure to check us out, subscribe, follow us wherever. Um, I appreciate you guys. My everydayers. I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate your questions. Um, I'm going to, I've been getting some good questions, so I'm going to be doing a mailbag probably on Friday. I want to do Friday mailbags um, to conclude the episode. So if you have any questions, put them in the comments below. Um, I make sure to go back uh, at least for the last week or so, because that's why I started asking for questions. And so we'll be able to discuss those. Um, But yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in every day and talking some bus football with me okay last segment of the day colorado was obviously huge rebuild huge remodel they're adding transfer portal talent they got five florida state guys they got travis j brendan um they got gantt they got the defense alignment they got omarion cooper they got Alta McCaskill, their houston running back who's probably the transfer i'm most excited about for the buffs um, they got some receivers. They got a little bit of this, a little bit of that completely different roster from the spring game yet. in the latest on three um, rankings post spring rankings is what they were called. Colorado came in at number 11. Um, the only team that they were ahead of was Stanford. Um, so let me read you what, let me see whose name is, what his name, the writer's name is Jesse Simonton Simonton. I believe is how you say it. Um, this is what he had to say about the buffs. Deion Sanders has spearheaded the most dramatic roster flip in college football history this off season with Colorado, bringing in some 60 plus newcomers to the team this fall. The buffs have certainly landed some notable impact transfers, but even sniffing a bowl game with this group would be a major boon. boom. I think for Sanders, I think it's meant to say boom has boon for Sanders in year one. We don't know quite what to expect from quarterback Shadur Sanders in the jump from FCS to Power 5. And even with all the portal additions, Colorado's offensive and defensive line still rank towards the bottom of all Power 5 teams. Colorado has a brutal schedule in 2023. Um, They play nine Pac-12 games, plus non-conference games against TCU and Nebraska, so it's best to temper expectations, despite the buzz Sanders has generated this spring. Okay, realistically, I think a bowl game is hopeful Expectations. I think if you're hoping that Colorado makes a bowl game, that's realistic. I think they have chances to come close to it or at least do it. Uh, I wouldn't say they're a lock for a bowl game, but I think five to six wins is a great improvement. Six to seven is like, I think that'd be throw a parade in Boulder. Like I think that would be massive for the buffs. Um, The scheduling, I I mean, I can't disagree. The schedule's hard. It is what it is. That's not anything you could change. Um, The transfers, I think, are, are a little... Undervalued. I think people are looking at them as Colorado's going for quantity over quality, and I don't think that's the case. I think they've got obviously there's some guys in there who are depth pieces. I I don't know if they they were pitched as anything else, but um the old Dominion off their defensive line transfer who had nine tackles, depth piece. But hey, you need depth because that was the big criticism for Colorado moving forward or in the past. It was they don't have depth. Now they're adding depth. I think some of these guys or excited to play at a power five program and play for coach prime. But some of these guys are going to be depth guys. They're going to be backups. They're going to be reserves who get, who have a role, but they're not going to be starters. Um, Offensive line is a huge mystery to me. And I said that earlier, Um, they brought in a ton of new guys, but obviously when you, when you're going to be trotting out five new guys who have never played together, there's a little pressure there. Um, Defense line has gotten a lot stronger. Um, Obviously, especially on the edge in particular, the edge, I think the middle will be anchored by Shane coax, the Dartmouth transfer, Um, but they have some, they have some guys. They just need a lot of the guys that they got on the defense line. Some of them haven't, or most of them haven't played a lot. And so I think that's kind of where the criticism comes, but I think they should at least be above Cal and Arizona state. Um, maybe not Arizona state, Arizona state's kind of been doing well this offseason as well. Um, but 11 feels low. I also think I talked about this over on the locked on PAC 12 podcast. I think last Friday or Thursday, um, I think people want to doubt Colorado because it feels like the safe thing to do because as soon as, like if I said, Colorado's winning 10 games and they win five, I'd look like a complete idiot, right? Because that's how it works. Everybody likes to save their tweets. Everybody likes to cold takes exposed is a huge part of sports media. Everybody likes to be like, Oh, he said that they're going to win this many games and then they did it. So I think people would rather be like, you know, I'm just not confident that they're going to win a lot. And be wrong that direction then be all in on Colorado and then Colorado fizzles. Um, I do think though that the Buffs have a a much improved roster. I think if you could somehow scrimmage the spring team, the like the roster that they had at the spring game with this roster, and just like everybody had played together and like skipping the fact that they haven't done anything together, obviously this team would smoke the spring game team. But obviously we can't do that and we'll just have to kind of we're going to see who emerges because coach prime brought in all these transfers um, safety position. There's so many, they have four or five starting caliber safeties corners. They have three or four starting caliber corners, linebackers, same thing. They have starting guys, defensive line. They brought in a ton of edge rushers. So the position battles are going to be vital. Um, I think how quickly these guys can emerge in fall will help the team succeed in the season. But again, when you have so many new pieces, it's going to be difficult. I think there's going to be position battles all the way up until close to week one, at least probably two weeks before. I think there's going to be some unsettled position battles. So the coaches really need to make sure everybody understands the playbook. They, excuse me, they know who the best personnel is and they just need a little luck, honestly. Um, a little luck never hurt anybody. But I, I don't know if I think 11 is too low. I think they should be at nine or 10 um, for now and then work their way up. But I see why there's a lot of unknowns with the team still. So as, as long as there's unknowns, they're going to continue to be doubted. And that's just the kind of situation that Colorado finds themselves in, but that's just, it is what it is, I guess. Um, thank you guys for joining me on this great episode of locked on Buffs. I appreciate you. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, share this with everyone. I want to get to 10,000 subscribers by the beginning of the season. We're nearing 2000. Um, And obviously that's a big ask, but the more subscribers, the more content, more guests I can bring for you guys. So appreciate you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.